Welcome or welcome back to Lift You Up Inspiring Health Stories. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham. I'm the founder and chief storyteller of TB Media Group. But for the purpose of this podcast, I am your health and happiness matchmaker. Now, before I introduce you to today's guest, you know what I'm going to ask you to do if you haven't done it already. I don't know why not. Hit subscribe right there on YouTube. Turn on those notifications and connect with me on LinkedIn because I'd love to stay connected with you. Now, today you're going to meet an incredibly smart woman. Her name is Jennifer Tomko. She is the owner of Clarity Health Solutions, and she specializes in treating those who are dealing with trauma. But interestingly enough, we talk about how almost all of us deal with some sort of trauma. So how to recognize the symptoms and what to do about it. Our physical, mental, and emotional health is not just a want, it is a need for happy lives and prosperous businesses. Lift You Up is the podcast where we share inspiring health stories from business owners who are fulfilling their purpose to live their healthiest lives and helping you do the same. From former TV reporter to marketing entrepreneur and content creator, I care about sharing stories that matter and stories that connect us. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham, your health and wellness matchmaker. Well, today I'm so excited to meet virtually and introduce all of you to Jennifer Tomko, who's the owner of Clarity Health Solutions, along with her new pup as well, if you're watching us, you can see. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, Tamika. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. No, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited um, to to talk with you and learn more about what you do. I know um, you specifically are very skilled in working with patients who are dealing with grief and trauma. And I, you know, this is something that has come up recently. I know you've been talking about recently as far as what's happened in Surfside with the building collapse. And there's a, it seems like lately there's a lot of, heavy topics, Um, especially from here in South Florida to, you know, across the country and even world, a lot of heavy topics that we're dealing with. And I know this is a topic you're well versed in. So I'd like you to first just kind of introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about what you do. Yeah, I am Jen Tomko. I am a licensed psychotherapist here in Jupiter, Florida. I have a private practice and my specialization is trauma. Um, I became interested in trauma um, several decades ago when I started mental health. Um, I was working on a trauma-specific unit up in Maryland at Shepherd Pratt. And then now I work with um, trauma for first responders, both retired from the World Trade Center and those who, and current, you know, more recent, and first responders who are on active duty right now. Um, I, it's definitely my passion, um, but I also work with all sorts of trauma. So this all the things that are going on right now in the world are definitely activating a lot of people's traumatic events from their own lives. Um, So I really appreciate you bringing this topic up. I think it's imperative that we talk about it so that we can normalize and explain to people why they might be feeling extra anxious right now. Hmm. And so I know you specialize in trauma. I, you said it's your passion. So I'm curious before we get, dive a little bit more into how, um, you know, some of those topics you just mentioned, understanding your path and how did, when you realized like that, this is your, your passion? 
I mean, there's so many facets that, that led me in this direction, but I I'll tell you what I love working, why I love working with trauma. Um, first, I think that with trauma, everybody wants to feel better. Um, and there's often relatively quick results when you are motivated to work on your trauma. And there's, there's healing with trauma. So we can always find, even though that sounds unrealistic, and when I say it to people who are new to working on their trauma, that we are going to find purpose and meaning and um, growth in your trauma, that, that it feels so unrealistic. I want to promise that to my clients and truly that that growth that comes from it is what inspires me to continue to work with those clients because there's a huge evolution that comes from working with trauma um, for each and every client and at the end of the the process it's like oh my gosh i actually i'm okay with the fact i went through this because of all that i gained from it they can find meaning in something that feels so painful. Right. That's what I was going to say, because I, I interview so many people on this podcast who have literally survived life-threatening accidents. I interviewed a woman who was um, kidnapped at gunpoint with her seven-year-old daughter and put in the trunk of a car and, um, you know, had very severe PTSD after that for several years, but now she empowers other women. Like, she found the thing in that horrible situation um, that really transformed her life, you know, totally left a separate career path. And it motivated her to just find a new passion and a new direction. So it's all of those things, whether good or bad, that really inspire us kind of in that next phase of our lives. Absolutely. And, and those people who do that and they dig to that next level and become that survivor from those traumatic events. I mean, as a listener to their stories, it makes me feel so honored and then it inspires me. Like it, it, it makes me feel grateful to know that person. And so that energy transfers against each other. You know, yeah. then it's like this reciprocal appreciation for each other and that journey that they go through. And I'm sure it sounds like based on what you're saying, you had that reciprocal event with that person that you're referring to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these are people, I mean, they inspire me and it's just, you know, it's helpful to just share and learn from mm. somebody else's experiences. Um, so I want to know a little bit more about you. Speaking of experiences, um, I know why you're passionate about this work. Uh, but tell me a little bit about your background and kind of your path that led you to starting your own practice. When I'm speaking with clients, I can say, you know, I, I get it because in some way I've been there. Um, some of my story is, you know, I'll share how Clarity even got originated. Um, I came down to Florida. I was going through a transition anyway. I think it was probably kind of a midlife crisis almost that I was living in Maryland and I felt like my life was almost like stagnant and I was kind of bored and I was feeling kind of, I guess, closed in by, you know, just tension and family drama and stuff like that. And even my family, they're lovely people, nothing against them, but I just felt kind of bored with my life in general. So I moved down to Florida and I was 
kind of reinventing who I wanted to be and, and all of that. And I was enjoying that process. And I ended up deciding to go into private practice. So I went to a place and started working there. And as I was going through that and building my practice, I realized I was giving spending, I was giving them quite a bit of money because I was, it was a split fee and they, I went to them and said, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm spending quite a bit of money. Like, can we cap this off somewhere? Um, and they said, yeah, no, no, we, we think you're being pretty greedy right now and pretty selfish about wanting to cap this off. And I said, I was like, Oh, wow. All right. So I went home, I cried for four days and I was so upset. I felt rejected and I put so much effort into those relationships. And then after the fourth day, I was like, hold on a second, hold on a second. I have other ways of dealing with this. I don't have to do this. So a couple days later, I went in. I was like, hey, I'd like to have another meeting. And they said, okay. So I took a handout, which imagine yourself going into like a staff meeting with a handout saying, here, you know, this is, this is how I, I want to be treated in this meeting. And it was all about like being respectful and not name calling and things like that. And, um, they looked at it and kind of like looked at me like, like I was crazy. And I said, you know, like, I just want you to know, like, think about this. This is what I'm presenting. Let's reconvene in a month. And they said, okay. So a month later, I mean, they said, what are you up to? What are you trying to do here? And a month and it was like nothing, you know, but a month later I went back again and I said, Hey, what is your vision? And they said, well, to make money. And I felt like I didn't even need to have the rest of the meeting. Mm -hmm. I was like, all right, forget, I don't care what the cap is. So that was when I decided, I was like, you know what? That's completely different than my vision because mine's to help people. So I didn't, I, I'm like, I spent all that time crying and feeling rejected when really we don't even have the same views on life and, and all that. So that was the day that I decided I was going to create clarity. And so I spent a whole other year working my butt off. They gave me um, four weeks basically to be able to get out. So I ended up just taking up general contracting. And now my office is beautiful and I hear that all the time. And I have a completely different philosophy on mental health than I've seen anywhere else. So I guess I'm doing something right. I feel really grateful. What is, so what does it, that mean when you say that you have a completely different philosophy on mental health than you've seen anywhere else? It's not about mental illness. To me, it's about growth. So, you know, my clients are not like mentally ill. They just want to grow and they might have anxiety, but they're just, everybody, they're just, we're just all normal people. They just have barriers to our progress and we just need help to figure out how to overcome those barriers. Right. So like my waiting room isn't a waiting room. It's a living room. My office, you know, it doesn't have, you know, um, like I don't have a receptionist there. It's a coffee table, you know, it's just completely different. And even on our way out, it says, you know, like go brag about your therapy today. Um, I just feel I like, that. I feel like that's what we should be doing. Be like, oh yeah, I went to therapy today and I grew. So, you know, I think that, I think it's just a different thought process instead of being shameful about it. We all have something that we're battling or dealing with, and it doesn't mean that we're broken or something's wrong with us. Just like you're not a hundred percent perfectly physically healthy. Like, you know, you, you may have a broken finger one day or you may, your knees may be sore. Like it's the same thing with mental Absolutely. health. Absolutely. And that's, that's what I say. The people in my social network, I'm like, they're 85% amazing and 15% human. 
And so that 15%, you know, we have to give a like grace around it. So if somebody doesn't call me and I want them to be like, oh, that's a human side, it's okay. You know, so it gives a lot of room for forgiveness when somebody's just, you know, imperfect. I interviewed two therapists. They're actually a husband-wife team who um, do couples counseling together, which was an interesting take. Um, but we talked about like childhood traumas and something came up that I'd, I'd be interested to get your take on in that conversation. And I asked them if they thought that we all as people need healing. And in just like a split second, they were both like, yes. Yep, that's an easy one. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Like you just said, we're all human. So does that mean we all have traumas? I think that we all define trauma differently. Um, but the way I describe it to people is that we all have some sort of negative, negative belief in us. So, you know, think about it. Let's just pretend that we're, we're a clean slate when we're born and then we're, you know, three years old and we're playing on a swing and somebody pushes you off the swing. They're like, you're stupid. Get off the swing. And they get on the swing and, and they steal it. And then we're like, I'm stupid. What? Like, I didn't know. And then we go and we, you know, we're in kindergarten and somebody, you know, we get a, bad grade or somebody says something and then we we're, we we say oh i'm not good enough and then we're in fifth grade and our science project and then we go to prom and somebody doesn't like us you know like then we find these beliefs or these this these pieces of evidence to support the belief that we got from when we were very very young that may have been completely unrelated to poor parenting or anything else mm. and it's they call it shame Right. So the difference between shame and guilt, guilt is I made a mistake. Shame is I am a mistake. Mm -hmm. So when we have a shame response, it's called a shame button. Somebody taught me that um, a shame button like I'm not good enough. It could have actually been from, you know, Johnny pushing you off the swing when you were three years old. And now the confirmation bias of these pieces of evidence that have supported this. Now we're, you know, 70 years old and then somebody cuts us off. And it hits that same button of not good enough. They don't, you know, they don't respect me enough to, you know, be respectful on the road. And really it's a button that's getting hit from early childhood, but we don't know that. So mm -hmm. does that mean that we're damaged? Does that mean that we're broken? No, it means that we have imperfections because as we go through our lives, things make us feel a little bit insecure. Does that mean that we have, we're insecure people? No, it just means that we have triggers. So if we can figure out what those triggers are and what those, those insecurities are, then we can take those and realize that in some ways they become a barrier to our progress. We walk around with this anxiety that doesn't even belong to us or depression that doesn't belong to us. And that I do think belongs to a majority of the population. And in some ways it helps us because it keeps us humble. Mm. We need that to keep us humble, but sometimes it's too much and it becomes a barrier to our progress. Got so it. do we all have trauma? Yes, in some way. Wow. So if it is something that is a barrier to our progress, right? That's where you said, okay, we go back and kind of figure out where that came from. How do you do that? So there are a couple ways. Um, EMDR is really helpful, and that's eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And it's a technique that's utilized, or it's been utilized for decades now. I think it's like 30 years old. 
Um, but it's just now being talked about more because Prince Harry brought it up to Oprah. Mm-hmm. But basically, it's a technique where you use um, like bilateral eye movement or tapping in order to get to the best way we can describe it is like a REM state of sleep while you're awake. Because your REM state of sleep is utilized in order to help you process your emotions and to help you organize your thoughts. So you can process your thoughts by bypassing your conscious mind and get to your subconscious. I know it sounds so hokey and I don't believe any of it. I didn't believe any of it until I did it. And when I did it, I was like, oh my God. (laughs) <laughs> this is okay. so cool. So explain that to me, that when you did it and that what made you believe in it, what what happened? Um, when I was going through the training, we had to we had to practice it with other clinicians who were learning. And this is, you know, several years ago now. Um, but I was sitting there like, no, I got all my stuff figured out. I don't I don't really need to work on anything, but I had to come up with something. So I came up with, you know, something like um, I'm not good enough, I think I I chose, but I didn't even really know where I was going with it. Well, through the technique, um, I ended up realizing that my negative belief was I'm unlovable. And it came from when I was four years old. I didn't remember this until I did it. Um, When I was four years old, my mom and dad got divorced and my dad left the house for the last time and my mom went into her bedroom to go cry. And I remember sitting in the living room, seeing my dad leave and my mom leave and standing there going, oh my God, now what? And I was so sad, but I didn't know what to do with the sadness and feeling abandoned. And I was like, nobody loves me enough to help me. But that wasn't even a conscious thought for my four-year-old brain. It was just like, I just knew that I felt very, very, very lonely and kind of unimportant in that moment. And so then, you know, in the example I gave earlier, I guess through the you know, things that went on in my life from my parents being distracted by their new lives or whatever, that I kept finding truth in that through other pieces of evidence. And so I just carried it on through adulthood of not feeling lovable up until like that moment at, you know, 35. It was kind of incredible because I didn't even know I felt that way. So you're going through that with in your training with other therapists and I mean, was there a moment when you were like, I, I'm just trying to put myself in those shoes of like, now I'm back to four years old again. Like, did like the memory come flooding back or? Yeah, exactly. It just like all of a sudden I was like, I mean, the closest thing I can come to it is like hypnosis, but it's okay. not hypnosis. You're mm-hmm. way much more aware of your of your experience. And so the correction was, I don't need help. I can handle this. And so my four-year-old version of myself was healed and I had the confidence to know that I could overcome and love myself and I didn't need anybody to love me. If I overcame that at four, I can handle anything I can at now at 35. So can you give me an example of how you've seen it work with, uh, you know, one of your patients? Absolutely. I probably do it two, probably two to three times a day. Um, oh, wow. And I do it when people ask for it and most people really a lot of people do ask for it because once I've done it with them they're like oh this this feels really good like I, I feel better um so I use it for different things depending on the situation but um one example um I, I guess I use it with my um my first responders so 
they might feel very overwhelmed and they don't, they might not know. And none of us, we might not know what we're feeling. We just feel really overwhelmed. And so we sometimes will say, okay, we can compartmentalize that overwhelmed feeling and take some of those feelings and just put them in a container, let's say. So we envision the container, put it away. And then we, by doing that, all of those negative emotions are, are put away for a little while so that they can remind themselves of what their strengths are. And so then they are feel more confident in being able to handle the things that they need to do. And that's very helpful for people because, you know, when you're overwhelmed, you start to kind of, you, you get paralyzed. So either that works or if we have to process something in particular, like if we have that real hone in on that negative belief, like I'm not good enough, and then we'll find the evidence to support it and so when we do emdr it helps the person kind of take away all the noise and they'll see for instance the person will recognize like oh okay hold on like that person who was being a bully was actually insecure mm -hmm. in themselves and they were taking out their insecurities on me and my dad was being abusive because he was unhappy in his marriage with my mom because my mom was being unkind to him. And she was doing that because her parents weren't kind to her. And now I can see that I actually was really resilient because even though I didn't stand up for myself, I see now I didn't stand up my, for myself because it wasn't safe because of how volatile everybody else was. And I did the right thing. And I feel good about the fact that I'm able to be resilient like that. And I'm, I can keep myself safe by actually being quiet when it when it's important to do that. And so they'll find themselves being forgiving to the version of themselves that chose to handle things the way they did at that time instead of regretting how they handled things at that time. Gotcha. Do you think, I mean, it definitely sounds like personal development, right? Like we're all always like in progress, like all always growing. But do you find that it usually takes people a while to get to that place where they're comfortable at like kind of sitting down and wanting to really evaluate these things? Hmm. I think it varies from person to person. But yeah, I think overall, I think that whether the process happens in my chair or if it happens before they've even made the call. Yeah, I think we have to go through a process prior to getting help. And hopefully that's sooner rather than later. But yeah, and I will say with trauma, trauma specifically, the sooner you get help after a traumatic event, the sooner you talk about it, the less the severity of the trauma itself will be and the sooner you will heal. I wanna ask a little bit about COVID and this whole time during the pandemic, things aren't the same, right? They'll never be 100% the same as they were before. And there's a lot that's changed since the pandemic and a lot that we've experienced and probably haven't even fully processed this whole last year and a half. Um, and there were things that I came across and was reading like during the pandemic, especially when we were in that initial stage of like, locked down, like economy shut down. And we were all like, whoa, didn't know that this could even happen, that this was a possibility to happen. And I remember coming across some articles that like we will be suffering like this mass PTSD as a result of what's happened. I would be interested in getting your thoughts on that 
and yeah. Yeah. So, um, of course with trauma, um, I agree. I think that we had a, this whole thing has been a collective trauma for us. And just like any type of trauma, everybody's going to perceive the trauma in a different way. So that's why the old the old adage is, you know, two people can be in the same exact car accident and one walks out and becomes a motivational speaker and the other one ends up can never make a left turn again. You know, what is the difference? And the, mm -hmm. the difference is how the person, each of them perceived the traumatic event themselves at that time. And really it's about a feeling of powerlessness that happened at that time so if you feel like you have no control or a sense of powerlessness you're more likely to experience and and resiliency is in there too you're more likely to experience things as a traumatic event so if you came if you were walking into covid for instance and you were feeling victimized by the situation or the government or the the illness and you were feeling true terror um and powerlessness about it, you are more likely to experience mental health concerns related to that experience versus somebody who had resiliency and the right coping skills so that they didn't feel that sense of powerlessness during that time. And that's that's the biggest difference between those who suffered and those who didn't. Obviously, like pre-existing conditions and things like that um, are variables as well. But yeah, I mean, everybody's going to experience that differently. But that certainly is why we would have had an influx of depression and anxiety and things like that at that time. And would also someone's life circumstances at that time um, impact, you know, how they would react to this? Maybe somebody was already going through a divorce or already experiencing something that was stressful in their life, the loss of a job versus somebody who's maybe in a business that's now flourishing, like, you know, the digital yeah. space or IT or something when, you know, maybe they're kind of settling into like a new phase in their life as a result of COVID. Are those two different kind of life paths something that would affect how they respond as well? Absolutely. I mean, there's so many different variables, obviously, but, you know, I'm, you know, when we're looking at um, you know, one of the things that I like to remind people of is the idea of like a depletion theory that, you know, we have a reservoir about that's only so, so big and all these little things like chip away at what, mm. how much effort, how, what we have in our reserve. And then if we have nothing left, we go back into, like I had said before, crisis, if we only have this much left. So if we're, you know, we walk into, let's say COVID and we're already like in some big transition in our lives, or we're already struggling through a divorce or physical ailment or a mental health crisis, and that's just going to deplete us. And so, yeah, we're going to be much more inclined to go into crisis. Um, but we're already experiencing a feeling of, you know, hopelessness and helplessness that will make it even harder to navigate all that. It's, it's so multifaceted, but yeah, I have so much empathy for people who, all of us, we were all feeling a little, de you know, that depleted all of us in some way. Um, I would be interested in getting your take on maybe someone who's experienced a recent trauma, um, other than obviously sitting down with a professional like you and getting that type of help. Is there anything or any steps that they should take or implement in their life um, now that could help? I think that, you know, like I had said, when, after you've experienced a trauma, talking about it is key and it doesn't have to be with a professional. Um, talking about it, um, writing it down, 
reality checking yourself, um, focusing on gratitude, on your strengths, on the things that you have control over instead of what you don't have control over, um, allowing, doing something that makes you feel empowered, like helping others. Um, there are so many things. Um, also, if you feel like after you've been through a traumatic event, the first four weeks, it's actually normal and healthy to go through trauma symptoms. It's called acute stress disorder. And for four weeks, you sh it's like I said, you'll say, oh, I'm having flashbacks and stuff, but that's actually part of the trauma process. But if your symptoms continue after the four week period or you're not noticing them dissipate, then you know that it's time to get additional help. Um, I also wanna validate being re-traumatized. And one of the, the things that recently I know has been happening for people, the Surfside, uh, the collapse, Surfside collapse has been very re-traumatizing for people because mm. it triggers that, that hardwiring in the brain. I talked about the pathway of powerlessness or fear or empathy, whatever it is. When Surfside um, collapsed, it got that feeling of, or that pathway of 9-11 got triggered of, oh no, like I'm not safe or I can't help myself or I'm powerless, powerless or 9-11 or whatever, like people's pathways got triggered. And so a lot of people ended up either thinking about 9-11 or questioning the safety of their own space or feeling like this desire to go and like want to help, like all of these trauma responses that people have and have had through even COVID with other things. I just want to validate that and I want to normalize it and I want to empathize with it. Um, that's very normal. It's very healthy to have that. And like you had just asked, what do you do about it? And it's the, the list that you just asked about that, that you can recover from it and recognize that it's a trigger from other things and you're not re-experiencing you're re-experiencing a trauma, but you are safe and you can be okay with um, with the effort that you put in with those coping skills. And you mentioned trauma symptoms that occur in the four weeks following. Uh, what are some of those symptoms? Um, they can vary, but I, I can tell you from my own experience, I, I was in a boating accident in 2001, which was right before 9-11 happened. And I ended up having the acute stress disorder stuff we were on the Chesapeake Bay in Baltimore and we hit a wake. And when we did, everybody else flew out of the boat, but instead I flew back into the boat and I ended up um, coming down the doctor said that it was like, if you took an apple and you threw an apple down on the ground and like shattered, that apparently happened to my liver. Um, so- Oh my goodness. Yeah, it was, it was kind of crazy. So I was in shock trauma the whole nine. So um, when that happened, when I, after my surgery and everything, I go back to the I get, get go back home and I kept having flashbacks and I don't remember some of that happening at all, but I kept having flashbacks of what people told me happened that I didn't even remember. So it was like the parts that I didn't remember, I was filling in the blank. I kept seeing a log in the water and it wasn't even a log that we hit, but I kept seeing this log that we were about to hit. And then I kept seeing the people's legs flying out because I held on and everybody else let go and I could see their legs and that did happen. Um, and I kept having flashbacks of these, these images. Uh. And I knew, cause I had, I was working on a trauma unit at the time. I knew that I was like reliving and I felt like I couldn't let it go because I didn't, I had all these like missing pieces in the story cause I didn't have the memory. And 
I felt like I couldn't let it go until I knew what those missing pieces were. And so I was ruminating. Um, I was having nightmares. I was crying all the time. I felt, I felt broken and ugly and like, I was never going to be the same again. And like really negative thinking. I was definitely super depressed. Um, and it was a very, very difficult time for me, but as the four, like when I got close to the four weeks, I noticed that a lot of these symptoms started to like gradually get better. And then I ended up um, going to a counselor for like three or four sessions and I just started getting better. And then I ended up going, I was happened to be going to England because I had a study or abroad scholarship and then 9-11 happened. And it, I mean, it was a really, really bad year. But my point is, is that the the symptoms got better and, and it was a traumatic year for me and I found purpose in all of it, which was another reason that I really appreciate trauma work. <laughs> it's a longer story, but that's the, that's half of it. <laughs> right. And absolutely. And you, you've been through it. So you have that empathy for others who are going through it as well. Um, yeah, Jen I do. Jennifer, I really appreciate this. I think it's super helpful. Everything that you, you talked about and just knowing that, Hey, it's okay to get help and we are just human. Right? Yeah, for sure. I love that. Tell everyone how they can find you, connect with you, learn more about you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, so our website is clarityhealthflforida.com. Um, and we also have um, on YouTube, It's we have the same channel. So we have some videos up and things like that. Um, and then you can certainly give us a call at 561-781-3333. And I'm Jen Tomko. We have several clinicians here and we do do telehealth for here in Florida. We have group therapy and DBT. We have all sorts of great stuff here. I'm so proud of the work that my clinicians are doing and the messages that we're saying. And um, and we really are trying to make therapy fun. Like it's not that big of a deal to get therapy. We should be bragging, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's what I say. To me, I look at it like personal development, like, hey, I'm hitting this roadblock. Like, I want to get past it. How do I do that? Like, and it's, it's helpful to talk through that with a therapist. I love the message that you're sending out to people. Thank you so much, Tamika. It's, what you're doing is so important. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you and meeting you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jennifer just as much as I did. I learned a lot. I also found it really refreshing to hear about her personal experiences, which so many times I feel like we don't get from our therapists. And you know what? At the end of the day, we're all human and there's nothing wrong with getting help and personal development. So make sure you go below in the show notes, find all of her information, connect with her and hey, if you aren't already connected with me, make sure you do that too. You'll find my information there below. You know, I'm on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all the places. So make sure you connect with me, reach out, let me know what you liked about the episode, what you wanna see more of. Oh yeah, and I'd love it if you also leave me a review. Let me know what you liked about the show. Turn on those notifications again if you haven't because hey, you wanna be notified about the next new episode which comes out on Mondays. So until I see you back next week, Stay happy, stay healthy.